Heard you came in the back door. Smart. You'll fit right in here. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mary, would you fix each of these new folks' plate for me? Huh. Why do you do it? Mm. Why do you let people in? Mm. When people become a part of us, we get stronger. Ah. <laughs> That's why we put up the signs. Invite people in. That's how we survive. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 26 for the week of March 31st, 2014. I am Precious Crossbow Bolt David T. Cole, and I'm here with Giant Can of Chocolate Pudding Sarah D. Bunting. Sweet breads. First wave victim Tara Ariano. Hooray, I'm dead and missing the apocalypse like I always wanted. And bright Ori mustache Omar Gallega. Just trying to save the world here. <laughs> Holy cow. Welcome, everybody, to episode 26. Welcome, Omar. Thank you. It's Great. been a long time coming getting you on the show. Oh, I, I have been hoping and dreaming for this, a long time. This is our first remote guest. Uh, times, times two. Times two. Yeah, Sarah, well, for us, is remote. And then right. uh, this is our first non-in-a-studio guest. So knock on wood. <laughs> It's going to work. Uh, programming note up top, uh, the same thing, the same situation with Sarah last week is continuing. Uh, we're going to have to use our Skype recording of her part of the conversation for this episode. So I apologize if it's a little bit scratchy or silani at parts. That but tends to happen. Everyone that's should just, just be me. happy. The whole country is represented, both coasts and the middle. Yeah, that's true. Fly First over no longer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's get into it. Um, Walking Dead season four is over. If you haven't watched, uh, go away. Because uh, we're going to talk about uh, the last episode of which you got a tiny taste, which if you didn't know that was coming, the, the content of that clip, you're not watching, right? Right. <laughs> um, so uh, let's throw it to our uh, recapper, Omar. What did you think? Um, I thought it was a fantastic episode until about the last 30 seconds. Uh, Michelle McLaren of Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones fame directed it, and it is a beautifully looking, fantastic, action-packed, awesome episode until the very end when you think that something's going to happen, something's going to happen, something's going to die, it's going to happen, and then nothing happens. Rick looks at the camera and goes, they should, basically, they should be afraid of us, not us of them, and it ends on that. And see you in six months. Yeah, um, and the end was such a... Cable versus HBO endings. They picked the wrong people to screw with. <laughs> oh, God. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, you could tell they really wanted to say fuck, but they just... They just Forget didn't. you, Terminus. Yeah. <laughs> Peanut butter. We're in a jam now. <laughs> Wait till I bring my chicken salad to the party. Bunch of melon farmers. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so they finally got to Terminus, and oh my goodness, guess what? They're cooking people there. How did, and, what? How did and they don't that? even explicitly say it, which, you know, I think the last, like I said, two, three minutes could have been a really big reveal of like, oh no, you know, this, this is what's really happening. Or my actual dream end of the, the season would have been Rick and company walk in, find the last freezer <laughs> in the world, and all of their friends are hanging as meat, and boom, <laughs> end of season. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that would have been big. macabre. Go dark. Yeah, that would. Yeah, yeah. But you know, next season would have been a lot cheaper for AMC <laughs> if they did that. I mean, well, you gotta wonder know, as you know as shows go on, it becomes more and more expensive to produce them just because everybody involved gets more money every time the contracts are coming up, and that's why you know in long running shows characters start to disappear that you would think you know otherwise everybody would want to stay. So I got to think that, you know, this cast is getting pretty big. You know, they yeah, my wife of... and I were thinking, like, we're doing a head count of, like, who's left, who's yeah. in that party that's already at Terminus. Could all of those people go at the same time? Yeah. You know, could they kill five, six characters? But then when you see Eugene's in there and Abraham Ford, who they yeah. haven't really done that whole storyline it's like well yeah probably not but we thought at least one or two people would would be dead and that rick would find them i thought i said to dave last night i thought carl might not make it through the episode just because the kid is you know aging that it might be a walt from lost situation where they can't keep showing him if no time is supposed to have passed and like we come back in six months and he's four inches taller that's weird (laughs) yeah shaving right but yeah the previews made it seem more Someone was going to disappear or something was going to happen to somebody and, and that would have been a, a decent cliffhanger. But yeah, it just ends on a like, okay, so Rick is stronger than ever, more confident than ever. They're not really in trouble then. You know, that, that's a weird way to, to kind of leave things open for six months. Yeah, I thought we were going to see one of the missing parties sort of, you know, be witness to this and then, you know, make a plan or, you know, start to enact a plan to, to save them. But that didn't happen either. So. But so the only people that are not present are the Carol, Carol contingent yeah, Carol, and Tyrese and Beth and yeah, Judith and Ju- right <laughs> Judith. Yeah, the baby's gonna save them right? <laughs> that is some well, she'll baby. be like three by the time it airs so she'll be, she's the um she's actually the baby from uh the Incredibles lay <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm, that would be useful <laughs> um yeah I was sort of uh I, I kind of want to imagine that uh Lieutenant uh, Tasha Yar is always at the barbecue. She actually sleeps there too. They just pull up a cot. She's just there all the time, flipping flipping people burgers around. What was what was, was like the, ribs? Yeah, yeah. She just like she's, oh. uh, take, <laughs> no, it was like it was like short ribs that they were serving on the plates. I it think was. that's what it looked like. Yeah, that's yeah. what it looked like. Yeah. yeah. And and as a um, as a Texan, Omar, what did you think of the <laughs> the barbecue? I didn't see situation? a lot of sauce variety there. No. I didn't see a lot of. You know, you're just going to eat dry meat, dry, dry human. That's no good. You gotta, the apocalypse. When uh, Omar, even though I'm a vegetarian, when I visited with my nephew, you took us to a uh, a barbecue. What would you call that? It's just, it's, I think it was Cooper's. It was in, Cooper's. In, yeah. Barbecue, is that the right? Is that the right? A barbecue store? <laughs> a barbecue emporium, Dave? I don't know. What, oh. Was it a restaurant? Yes. Well, you know that word. Well, no, I just don't, I don't, want, I don't want to embarrass myself in front of Omar and call it, it's just called the bar, a barbecue, right? Like I'm going to bust a out. A restaurant. Like, Dave, what? <laughs> Calling this a restaurant. shooting my guns in the air. This where, is the where most we, important part of this conversation, where we, by the way. It is. Well, I have never been to one before because hey. even in my meat-eating days, I was never in that part of the world. Sure. And now that I'm vegetarian, I wouldn't go there because really all they had was um, Wonder Bread, bread. (laughs) which is just like in bags at the end of each of these communal long picnic table rows. Oh, really? Not even cornbread. Yeah, you're not eating on plates even. You're eating on like coated paper that you just put on the table as as big napkin plates. Okay. Yeah. And I think there was corn maybe. 
Yeah, well, there were corn, there were beans, but I think the beans were saturated in bacon. <laughs> so yeah, that's no good. It was. It was really just me eating Wonder Bread for a while, uh, and I think I paid. Sorry, Dave. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like you, you pay like five bucks for the trimmings, and then you pay for your meat separately. So I paid five dollars to eat bread. Um, yeah. Anyway, so what Tasha's yard was doing wrong was you usually have a big covered pit. You yes. don't cook out in the open that like ruins all the juices and the smokes and stuff. So yeah, bad barbecue technique. Thank you. Especially considering that by the time the people get to Terminus, they're probably pretty stringy anyway. You know they're not <laughs> eating a lot of fat. And it looked like they were feeding them powdered milk or something. Like well, I that, assumed that a- was for the baby. I, think, um, I, thought, I assumed that's why Rick figured out who was, oh, for the baby's she's not, not there. there. Never yeah. mind. No. There I were like think, big cartons of it lying on the ground. Yeah, like empty right cartons. outside the, right, right, the boxcar. Right. So that was like right. the protein they could right. give to, to them to, you know fatten them up or keep them alive or whatever they're doing mm-hmm. what was the uh, there was a scene uh, in terminus when they're running around and they're kind of going to this gymnasium sized empty room with, with ten thousand candles i assume made out of people because yep. otherwise where are they oh. making these runs for you gotta use every part of the ten thousand candles <laughs> or the person from buffalo and then there was all these oh. was, <laughs> were, <laughs> i regret nothing but my question is what was that for? It was a memorial to who? Yeah, to the people that they ate, I assume. Ate or, yeah, but would they bother? Oh. There were names on the ground, yeah. yeah. There were names uh, written into the floor, which I think probably every time they eat someone, they're like, thank you, this person. Right. And, and or, then write their name down and memorialize them, light a candle. Because it said on the walls, like, never again, and yeah. us before everyone else or whatever. So maybe that was like... The these first are the, wave of victims. Right, that, we're remembering yeah. our own people. That's what I, that's what I was we wondering. Eat, we eat the new people to serve or you know honor the people that died and gain their courage right no 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 worst. but i mean it's like we're still alive so we honor the people that didn't make it speaking of worst you really it. like uh, bratwurst right that's another thing you can get <laughs> worst hazing yeah. ever yeah. <laughs> uh omar do you want to talk a little bit about schlitterbahn while we're here <laughs> <laughs> well they don't serve people at schlitterbahn so we have that you got that going of. for Are you sure <laughs> Uh, for those no, not, not for those not to know, because uh, I I love it because it, the first time I swore you were saying Schlitterbahn, but what's Schlitterbahn? It's it's probably the world's premier water park, which is like ten minutes from my house, which is convenient and awesome, and the kids love it. So it's Schlitterbahn. And is this uh, also where they have Worst Fest, or is that yeah? We have Worst Fest every November. Um, it, sometimes it falls on Halloween, which is insane and crazy. We have like a hundred thousand people uh, dressed in German gear celebrating Halloween. <laughs> it's this <laughs> weird mat- mishmash of drinking and food and polka music. So yeah, it, it gets a little insane in New Braunfels every year. They should um, this Walking Dead spinoff, or not even a spinoff, but like sort of parallel series they keep on talking about. I think mm-hmm. it should be set in in your part of the world. <laughs> in Texas, specifically yeah. oh, at the water park in or New Braunfels. Oh, okay. Because it's not hot enough in Atlanta. They should no. do another <laughs> super <laughs> hot summer series. Um, but oh, so, what about the season as a whole? What did you think, Omar? Did you think it was strong all the way through, or? Um, it started strong, and you know they got a new showrunner, Scott Gimple, who was who was I think the head writer before that, and he he was on Talking Dead last night, and I think his whole deal is character work. Like mm-hmm. everyone's going to have a story, everyone's going to have an arc this season, um, and you know, get rid of a lot of the red shirt people and, and make even the background minor characters more significant and more important. I think he succeeded in, they've succeeded gangbusters with Carol, who went from being this nothing character who, you know, spoilers in the comic, uh, dies pretty early on, uh, never goes through the arc that we have on the TV show. So they've actually improved on the comic in some ways with some of the characters like Carol. Daryl doesn't appear in the comic at all, so they've kind of fleshed him out 
quite a bit. Um, but, you know, they still have this issue of too many characters, not enough story to go around. And even Rick this season, I thought, got pretty short shrift. I mean, it wasn't yeah, told. Yeah, he was very long. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, they, they hinted in Talking Dead that he's going to be way, way more significant in the next season. But he's supposed to be the show's central character. So mm-hmm. it's weird that he just sort of faded to the background and, and just wasn't really active for, you know, a whole half season. Well, I don't know how weird that is. I think I'm not alone in thinking that actor isn't cutting it. He's part of the reason I <laughs> yeah. stopped watching after only a few episodes. Um, what was Michael Cudlitz getting to do besides have an awesome mustache? Because I considered going back to it when he when they killed Southland and he moved over to that show. I was like, okay. Not a lot. He's getting to oh, just be a badass, basically. He's, yeah. he's supposed to be guiding this genius to DC, which, uh, you know, in, I don't, I'm not far enough in the comics to know how that resolves itself, but I don't think they're ever going to get there. I mean, the show's not going to just suddenly move from Atlanta to DC. Um, so, but he's kind of the all-around badass, you know, with a heart of gold, who, who's trying to kind of keep this, the group safe and keep this, uh, this genius who knows where the virus came from safe. And speaking says, of this genius, says, oh. Omar, let me get your opinion on this. Is that guy really supposed to be a genius? And then here's a follow-up. Are we supposed to believe he's a genius? Because I don't buy it, and I have a further all, the, follow-up. all the other characters seem so convinced after they meet him that he's a person that could do something that I'm wondering whether the characters are stupid or that all the acting choices were poor. I wonder if it's an acting choice because I actually was catching up on the comics this week and I'm not far enough to know, you know, pretty that far ahead. Yeah. But I know I got to the part in the comics where they introduced those two characters and I think they explain it much better in the comic. He, uh, Abraham says, he can do this, he can do that. Like he explains all these MacGyver things that this guy can do. He's like, so whether I believe him or not, he's super, super smart, so we should trust him is basically yeah. his explanation. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they've gotten that across in the TV show that, he, that, he's, that he's not you know, he in seems No, like, he seems like a giant liar. <laughs> right. Well, a giant – well, not even a, a – but like sort of like he okay, lives – always fabulist maybe. He, he always lives – he's like caught in his own fantasy world, right? Yeah. He's sort of like you know the stereotypical video gamer – uh, who's in his mom's basement shouting for, I need some more pop, mom. Yeah. You know, like that kind of character. I forget if it was... Not a f- genius. Coming. No, no, no. I yeah. forget if it was on the forums or in the comments, but someone said, no one who talks that much about online gaming is actually a real scientist. Yeah, or has time to, you know, to, to play games and save the world. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. has that mullet. Sorry. Although my wife, my wife said there's lots of downtime in a lab where you could be playing World of Warcraft or whatever, so maybe you did. <laughs> huh. Well, then spend some of it getting a haircut. Like it's it's very weird. And every time I see him, I always think, how many times did Patton Oswalt turn down this part? Because it feels like <laughs> such a Patton Oswalt part to me. But, it really does. Yeah. That would be really such a does. step up. So yeah, I think in the comics, he he is sort of you're supposed to take it at face value that yeah, he knows what he's talking about and and knows where the virus came from. But in the show, yeah, I think it might be acting choices that are trying to make him more of a character um, and less of of you know a plot device. Yeah. I think. So you really turned also this season on Glenn and Maggie, that you used to really like them, and now you hate them. Glenn was my favorite character, I think, in season one, but apart from, you know, uh, no, actually he was. He was my favorite character because he was just, you know, the the guy that would run these missions and get stuff done. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Rick would say, we need this. Okay, got it. Go. And he went from that to just this whiny, lovelorn, you know, (laughs) afraid of everything because something might happen to Maggie. It just... They just ruined that character. Glenn was a real go-to guy. And, and uh, again, not to go back to the comics, but in the comic, Glenn and Maggie are both kind of badasses. They're both, you know, like go out, get stuff done, you know, put on riot gear together and, and do stuff. And in the 
in the TV show, Maggie is much less um, fierce, I think, than she is in the comic. In fact, in the comic, she's sort of the the kind of more the stronger go to person than Glenn, even. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in the in the in the TV show, they're just like just shut up. <laughs> they're just <laughs> too in love. And- <laughs> Yeah, Glenn makes bad choices. Mm-hmm. He does, yeah, and he yeah. and he didn't used to. He used to be a, a pretty, uh, pretty solid, reliable character, um, and I, yeah, they've just sort of ruined that that whole arc with him. I mean, he he seems expendable every single week. When a girl whose leg already is hurt gets her foot caught in a rock slide, you keep going. You let her stay and get <laughs> eaten by zombies. I'm and that's sorry, yeah, that's another weird, that's another weird character that I don't think they've quite nailed. Um, the the, um, the sister of the of the one who was with the governor she they, they haven't quite figured out what to do with her yet right. so she's just sort of following Glenn around like like a puppy dog mm-hmm. yeah worked out really great for her <laughs> and the um, Good job and the zombies the Walking Dead of the Walking Dead mm-hmm. um and, you know at this point I feel like they're zero threat like they could actually be not in this show anymore and the show wouldn't change that much. Yeah, there was that bit at where the guy was surrounded by by walkers. Yeah, and, they had this big and, opening on one side. Yeah, and it's like, how did he even get there? Like, what? What? Where, how, did he just run into the circle? Yeah. And, <laughs> that was such a weird thing. He thought they were having a dance party. And and one one more thing on the comic is that actually they are pretty faithful to specific scenes in the comic, and that actually happens pretty much exactly as it happens in the comic. But in but they sort of find his fully stocked car and realize. Oh, maybe he committed suicide. Maybe he just ran out there on his own with no oh, weapons on purpose. Yeah. Um, and that becomes kind of a running theme in the comic is that people just sort of offing themselves in that way. Although you figure there'd be more painless ways to go than that. Yeah. Yeah. And was it in the comics, was it like part of the noose metaphor that they were using? No, I think oh, okay. that w- that might have just been the TV show. Although I, I haven't gotten to any of the Terminus stuff in the comic, yeah, that, that's yeah. further down the line. But but in the comic where I was reading just now, just over the weekend was you know the prison exodus, uh, all the stuff with Laurie. I mean, all that stuff happens in a pretty compressed time period. Yeah. So uh, to wrap it up, who in the next season do you want the show to focus on more or less? If you had control over over the mix. Um, I think we're going to get a lot more Rick, whether we like it or not. I think right. he's—it's like okay, he's come out of his funk, he's come out of his indecisive phase, and now he's going to be like the true leader, um, which is a little disappointing if you don't like Rick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be nice if Carol showed up and like, ah, let me handle this. And I—I uh, I would love to see more Abraham. I—I I love that character. I think he's the perfect mix of like get it done, badass, stomp zombies, but also clearly cares about the other people and, and is a, a good guy. That's I mean, what I th- Sarah would also like. Yes. He's great. And the actor is nailing it. He's and fantastic. Separated at birth, uh, that character and the Clash of Clans mascot, who kind of looks like Hulk Hogan, <laughs> as a little CG mm-hmm. guy. Yep. Yeah. Um, Tara, who do you want to see? Oh, Carol, obviously. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, for the one episode that I covered this season, I also fell a little bit in love with Bob. I was going to say, I turned a, I, I turned a corner on Bob. Bob, Bob was sort of Bob a nothing character for a while, and they, they finally kind of gave him some... Some presence I felt mm-hmm. towards in the in the second half of the season. Yeah, I liked it, it a lot in that episode. Especially they did that alcohol thing, like at the very beginning, where like he sees a bottle of alcohol and is longing for it, but then they kind of drop that whole thing once Daryl smashed his bottle. Yeah, and the and the episode where um, you know they kind of are trying to figure out whether they want to stay in this town that's along the railroad railroad towards Terminus, where he kind of you know uh, comes back, and then they you know they all. Uh, group up together. That was that was a nice. That, that, was, was, that was lovely. Yeah, that was a good moment, and it was sort of all Bob 
in that one. So. That actor, Lawrence Gilliard Jr., has a great smile, and it was nice to see it. Yeah. It's not a lot to smile about on this show. No. Yeah, you didn't see his teeth that much on The Wire, either. No. So. Well, he, yeah. <laughs> didn't have a happy ending on that show. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Definitely more Carol. Carol's sort of my go-to character for this show. I was really bummed when it looked like they wrote her out, and then obviously pretty happy when they brought her back in, in the second half of the season. Um, I am the one, I think, person that maybe doesn't mind Carl, the the kid. Mm. I don't I don't really mind. Like he's He needs to lose that hat. Yes. He needs to get a haircut, speaking of haircuts, <laughs> that obviously. Too. But um Go to I understand, getting Well, his I understand haircut. the choice they made. That you know, that haircut is, you know, supposed to make him look you know, older than he looked when he started. You sure. know, I get it. When um, Rick when Rick was laid out and he had to do that long monologue about, you know, I hate you, I can be on my own. I mean that was that was a tough thing for any kid actor, I think. And and yeah. I don't know if yeah. he quite pulled it off, but I think that was a really tough thing to, to put any kid actor through and, and for them to kind of come through that and, and be believable. I thought he was great in this last episode. I think yeah, his scene with Michonne was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and like, he's not the, the character isn't written whiny, which I think is where the go-to place goes for a lot of these kind of characters and the mm-hmm. situations kids are under pressure and uh, kids that have to, you know, kind of grow up too fast or take more responsibility than their age would warrant. Usually they end up really annoyingly whiny and under the domey yeah (laughs) yes thank you yeah exactly and and characters older than than carl i mean uh it's nice that the circumstances kind of you know um force people to toughen up or die so i think maybe you know the whiners become chum pretty quick but uh yeah i I don't mind carl i I would i I would be kind of sad if they wrote him off i know which coming out of me, who was like one of my rules is no kids and things because they usually ruin it. And this is, you know, I'll give him credit. He he doesn't make me feel that in the show. So. In earlier seasons, they kind of kept very loudly signaling this kid's getting screwed up. Everything that's happening is screwing him up. He is getting weirder and more violent and kind of going off the path. And then this season, they sort of brought him back and then kind of landed him a little bit more in the middle, which I think is yeah. a lot more realistic than just, oh, he's going to be a psychopath. Well, it does seem like something that the show needs to maybe stop talking about. Like, under the circumstances, like, okay, maybe he's screwed up by, like, normal lights. Like, if the walking phenomenon were reversed, can he live among normal human beings in an apartment building? Probably not. (laughs) That's not going to happen. Can he survive? Yes. Is he learning to survive from his father? Yes. So, uh, like, just from reading... Omar's wonderful particles and sort of being caught up that way. My sense is that this is an issue that keeps coming up and it's like, it's time to drop it. Like yeah. he's going to be screwed up. Everybody is. Yep. And Lizzie, I think was a counter was supposed to be like a counterpoint yeah. to that. It's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. okay, here's a kid that doesn't make it through. And, and having, and having that storyline, yeah. let him take the air out of that for Carl. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful to see interesting things. from. I mean, I thought that last night in the scene where, you know, Rick goes berserker on the guys and as like cover, when Michonne was holding Carl, like cover his eyes. And then I was like, Oh wait, I guess he's seen all kinds of even more horrible things than this. So yeah, let him watch. Yeah. <laughs> this is the matinee showing. Free show, kid. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Omar, thanks so much for the uh, particle coverage this year. It yes, was fantastic. Thank you. um, You're welcome. It was a lot of fun. I suspect we're going to have a few new listeners this week. Um, so Why, did uh, something happen this week? Yeah. <laughs> so if, uh, if you're unaware, uh, yeah, check out Omar's Walking Dead um, uh, stuff for previously.tv. They did are all fantastic. of season four. It was great. Yeah. It's 
time to go around the dial where each of us picks something from TV from the last week we'd like to talk about. Tara. Call the Midwife is back. I love Call the Midwife. It's back on PBS for series three. Uh, it's it premiered last night as we record this. Uh, it will air Sundays um, at eight, at least on our local affiliate before Masterpiece Classic. If you are not, if you're not already watching this show, it's probably because you're not interested in women or babies or 1950s healthcare <laughs> in Britain. <laughs> but if any of those appeal to you, Call the Midwife is set in uh, Nanata's house, which is um, a mission, I guess, from run by a group of nuns. That was sort of like a public health outreach. So it's four nuns and four nurse midwives living in this house in the east end of, of London, based on a true story um, told by the narrator who's voiced over by Vanessa Redgrave as an older lady. And it's just uh, kind of revolutionary to see this many female characters, especially considering that a bunch of them are nuns. Like how little men have to do with the story, obviously, because it's a story of, you know, women's pregnancy and stuff. But um, it's so refreshing uh, just to see female relationships play out in ways that you hardly ever see on TV. And all of the ladies are so sweet and um, their patients are always interesting, even though most of their stories are awful (laughs) because they're really poor or they're having like their 25th baby. That was the series premiere. Um, So, yeah, Call the Midwife, a lovely show. Yes. when does it take place? Sorry, 50? The current season is 1959. When does Masters of Sex take place? Uh, earlier? I so, think it's like yeah. around the same time-ish. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it's just interesting that they're both sort of contemporary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. Sarah. Well, from that uh, uplifting <laughs> um, p- uh, portion of your programming to <laughs> Lindsay oh, on own, um, I know I'm not the only one watching it, but I think the only other person watching it is also on the podcast. Hello. <laughs> um, I can't quite figure out what is so fascinating about it. It's not quite a train wreck. Um I mean, I think there's a part of all of us that is like, if only she would do this, or if only someone close to her had said that. It's yeah. sort of this Elvis principle where it's like, if one person, like back in 1954, been like, bro, get over yourself, you'd probably <laughs> still be alive. And you look at something like this and you wonder, like, what is the point at which a celebrity or a famous person is no longer, like, has passed the point where they can relate to regular human beings uh, and like, when does that occur? Is it possible to reverse it? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, finding it really, I'm finding it really fascinating, even though she herself is not particularly likable and her life looks very boring. Like, she really does need to get a job, yeah. I feel. Like, just a plain old T-shirt folding with a piece of cardboard at the Gap <laughs> job so she can get a grip on herself. But there is something very interesting about the show, and certainly, uh, as of last week's episode, interesting about how Oprah is relating to the show and to her. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, recommend is maybe a little strong. But if you are also watching it, um, I think that there is a believable claim that you are doing so for anthro-sociological reasons. I support you. But we are all crackpots. Well, something that <clears throat> I think it was Andy Denart last night on on Twitter was saying is one of the things that's interesting about the show versus a lot of other kind of candid reality quote documentary unquote shows is that it shows a lot of 
the making of the show. Like it yeah. really pulls back the curtain a lot. And I mean, I'm sure it's more than they might have wanted to because a lot of what they're showing is here's what we were supposed to be filming, but Lindsay blew us off or whatever. Right. And, you know, in last night's episode, there was a lot of stuff with her sober companion leaving to go back to L.A. and Mike White. Yeah. Yeah. Sooner than he was supposed to. And then there, the, the, you hear the producer asking him is Lindsay still sober? And he's like, uh, and like just, you know, fumfers for like 30 seconds. And then is like, I'm not going to answer that. Like there's, there's, it's, it's really, it feels very candid. And again, this is another thing that was either in the comments or on the forums, but someone was saying that the, as far as own is concerned, this is really a win win no matter what happens, because if Lindsay flames out and we get to capture it, ratings bonanza and right. if Oprah fixes her, hey, Oprah fixed her. Oprah's still magic, you know. So right. that part of it I think is fascinating. Plus, in the latest episode, Lindsay goes to do her community service at a children's uh, community center in Brooklyn. And, oh, my God, the kids are so cute. She's really, really cute with cute. them. Oh, my God, the kid that she spent the most time with, Donovan, adorable. And, um, and it proves your point, Sarah, that, like, giving her something useful to do uh, actually seems to be good for her. And, like, she understands what – that there is life outside of herself. Yeah. And that she maybe should do that. Like she does seem to have an affinity for and an ability to talk to kids without using that like big, bright, bent Mm -hmm. in half waist voice that so many grownups have because she has a bunch of younger siblings and she is a total natural. And it's like, maybe just, I don't know, get some construction paper, go to the boys and girls club and chill (laughs) for like a year i don't know like it's not totally hopeless you don't feel dirty for watching it like you may have felt when you watched the danny bonaducci show (laughs) which totally didn't because that was just me or the anna nicole bonaducci yeah (laughs) sounds like she would do well in the zombie apocalypse Give her something to do. Good with kids. And she'd dry out. Everybody. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, until they run out of cigarettes, then. (laughs) Omar. Right. So how I met your mother. Uh, As of this recording, we are waiting for the last episode, which would air tonight. Um, By the time you hear this, it will have aired and you will know the fate of (laughs) Ted and the mother. Um, And Omar will be free. And I will be free. Uh, So, yeah. <laughs> Every day in my head, uh, so we'll know what happened. But you know, the theory that that had been floated was that the mother is dead, and maybe Ted ends up with Robin anyway. Which, oh, oh, yeah. that would really be a betrayal of the whole show. They've been saying so many. It's not Robin. It's never been Robin. It's not going to be Robin. And then it, maybe it's Robin. So that would, would be terrible. I mean, it would be lost all over again. Where it's like they're not in purgatory. They kind of are. Yeah. Yeah. Someone was like, maybe they're all dead, and then everyone started laughing about like it's going to be a cut to black. <laughs> they're all in a snow globe. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm with any of those because I don't watch the show. But based on Omar's agonized but hilarious commentary <laughs> on previously TV, it's like. I think there is a way to satisfy the fans who stuck with it the whole time, but in a way, like where it seems to be going is far less preferable than just taking just taking a lift directly from like the Sopranos or mm-hmm. Sam Elsewhere or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was it Dr. Westfall's nephew or son or son? I think son. his autistic son. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. would have bailed like by season six. <laughs> <laughs> He's the mother. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, but there have the thing about this last season, which has been really uneven and erratic, there have been some good episodes in there. And the mother Mm -hmm. is delightful. Whenever she's with Ted, it's fantastic. That was the best episode, the one that was all about her. 
Right, and you just wish there was more of her in this last season. And I mean, I think we're probably going to get in this last episode some some flash forwards and a lot of her. I hope, you know, for the last hour. But you know, it, it's kind of too little, too late. She should have been a lot more central to this season, and and we should have seen a lot more of her because everyone else on the show just feels so tired and yeah. over it. And and she's the the one bright spark of this whole season. Yep. And finishing out around the dials, want to give a quick word to a new show, Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Mm-hmm. Challenge. Uh, challenge, sorry. Jim, Jim Henson's, Henson's Creature, Creature Shop, Shop Challenge. challenge. Um, it's sort of a follow-up to Face Off. It's the exact same formula, except um, instead of doing special effects makeup, they're doing animatronics and... Uh, Felt off. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that. Basically. And I retired. <laughs> yeah. Um, Face Off is sort of my exception to reality shows. Like, mm-hmm. I've grossed about reality shows a lot on this podcast, but Face Off sort of won me over just because it really is merit-based. It keeps all the um, uh, interaction stuff between the contestants to a minimum. It's about the work. There's no backstabby elements to it. And there's no, like, you know, confessional cameras or, you know, like, now it's time to go to the house and try to live with each other. There's none yeah, of that. Yeah. And this show, Jim Henson's Creature Shop Challenge, um, <laughs> follows the same formula. And um, Although they started with a team challenge, which I don't that think was, was a good move. I was going to mention that. Yeah, I think your first episode, I kind of understand why they might have wanted to do it, just because then you could focus on a few of their creations rather than be inundated with 10 or whatever it would have been. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it seemed unfair to the contestants, especially for the guy who got kicked out, because um, they said that the pairing on the show was... Random. Uh, no, it was producer picked. Right, but it was... No, they didn't say random. They oh, said, they didn't? Nope. Oh, sorry. And uh, two guys, uh, one who is the love child of Seth MacFarlane and uh, <laughs> New Spock. It looks exactly halfway between the guys. Spooky. And some other guy. They basically had overlapping skill sets. They didn't have like... Uh, they were complimentary. They yeah. were both very inexperienced, too. A lot of the other people have come in and, and have said, I have my own production company, yeah. I do stuff for car- for commercials or whatever. Yeah, and these guys seem like they could have gone to the same program at the same school. Yeah. And they I forget what the, the task, the skill was that they really needed for their challenge that they didn't have. And it showed. And, you know, and then after, you know, they lost the competition. And they do the same thing with Face Off, which I don't agree with. They have these team competitions, and then they vote one of them out. And they ask some questions like, well, who's responsible yeah, for that? Yeah, but that's every reality. I know, but it's just like either kick them both out or right. don't do them. I I'd kind of find like like you're going to have a team challenge, then the team needs to be at risk or right. you know gets the reward. That's all. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I really like the show. And, and uh, the people that are from Jim Henson Company are fun when they come in. They really... They're so nice. They're, they're, they're nice. super nice. And they're like, you can tell that they're like serious about the art of fun you know what i mean like 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 they get it but also it's their trade well and i think this is something that monty said in his excellent write-up on previously.tv but like the the most fun part was when the puppeteers actually came in yeah and you got to see them trying out the the what they had built and seeing how they move in it and like explain like are there things you want me to do or not do and just seeing you know how how much their art contributes to what gets built it's a really fun show yeah it is yeah so um you can catch up pretty quick it just debuted so i would recommend it definitely all right that means it's time for the canon every week somebody submits a particular episode of a tv show for consideration into the extra hot great canon and usually when we have a guest we invite them 
to submit something, and Omar has. What do you got for us, Omar? Well, uh, <laughs> I don't, this one seems like a bit of a stretch, uh, <laughs> but hear me out. Uh, this is episode, uh, I'm sorry, season two, episode one of South Park, Terrence and Philip uh, in Not Without My Anus. All right, I'm with you so far. Apologies in advance. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, it's this is a long way back. It's it's hard to uh, believe that South Park has been around for for so many seasons. I think they're on their seventeenth or eighteenth season. Um, so I'm let me take you back to the year nineteen ninety eight, uh, where a president did a thing with Monica Lewinsky, and that was huge. The MP3 was just created. Veronica's closet was still on the air. This is this wow. is a ways back. Um, and I think it's easy to forget how, what a big phenomenon South Park was in its first season when it went from this passed around VHS video of the Spirit of Christmas to a full season on Comedy Central. And even at the time, Comedy Central was not a huge deal. Um, South Park almost single-handedly turned it into a viable network that continues today. Um, it was really a big deal in that first season, um, very akin to the first season of The Simpsons. And... Uh, you know, people quoted lines from specific episodes. They got obsessed over things like Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo, um, and why Kenny died every episode. Um, in the in February of 1988, they aired the last episode of the first season, and they ended it with a cliffhanger uh, of who was Eric Cartman's father. And the weird thing, it, looking back on it now, because South Park has become such a big universe with all these different characters, is that Eric Cartman, the first season of South Park, was really like the Bart Simpson of the first season of The Simpsons, where all the media attention was on Bart Simpson, and it seemed like he was the central character, and later it would evolve to become more about Homer. Um, but on South Park, same deal. It was a lot of Eric Cartman talk the first season, and then it would go on to expand more widely to other characters. But people were very invested in this weird cliffhanger of, of who was Eric Cartman's father that with all the men that slept with his mother. Uh, who was it? So they built up this huge season cliffhanger that, um, that built up on, in February of that year, the first season of the uh, the first episode of the second season was April first of 1998, so there was only like a two month gap between that cliffhanger. So fans tuned in uh, to hear the resolution of this story of who was Eric Cartman's father, um, which in the grand scheme of things is not a big deal, but we didn't know that at the time. So what they got when they tuned in on on April first of 1998 started like this. Our first Since audio the clip. last South Park. You've waited four long weeks to find out who the father of Eric Cartman is. Now, finally, the shocking truth about Cartman's lineage will not be seen tonight so that we can bring you the following special presentation. <laughs> now, get ready for Canada's hottest action stars, Terrence and Philip in the HBC Movie of the Week. Not without my anus. Based on a true story. So. I really love... <laughs> I just want to say I just love <laughs> after the, and it uh, says like April Fools on the screen like yeah. in big letters. So uh, people were a little upset. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, people were really annoyed and upset. Usenet was on fire. <laughs> Aww, people fired off paper letters. Uh, so about a two thousand, according to our Wikipedia's, uh, about two thousand people actually wrote in letters of complaint Aww. over what happened. Scamps. Um, where in Matt Stone and Trey Park were like, uh, get a grip, it's construction paper. Um, but it really was like, some people felt like it was a slap in the face of the fans who had been waited all of four weeks <laughs> to, to hear the resolution of this story. Um, 
And but so what they got was a full length Terrence and Philip episode. None of the main characters appear in it except for one brief shot. Um, so you know Kenny, no no Cartman, none of them. Just all Terrence and Philip for <laughs> twenty two minutes. <laughs> so it really depends on whether you like Terrence and Philip or not. Whether you're on board with this episode, um, but I would submit that. The, the, just the fact that they did it, just the fact that they got that episode out and were willing to risk their popularity at such a crucial moment in the in the show's evolution. They only had one season behind them. Uh, it could have gone anywhere, and, and that Parker and Stone were willing to say, yeah, we're going to do this. We don't care if people don't like it. We don't care if people turn on us. Uh, we're still going to do it. Um, so real quick, what, what actually happens in the episode, <laughs> not that there's much of a plot uh, besides farts. Uh, and Terrence and Philip had appeared uh, on season one. He, he, the kids were obsessed with them. Um, so this was sort of bringing those characters back. And really what happens in the episode, uh, Terrence is on trial for murder. He gets acquitted by farting. So that happens. Uh, he is uh, a former flame of Celine Dion. So they go to her house. We find out that, that he has a daughter who has been kidnapped and taken to Iran. Uh, they have a guy named Scott who really, really hates them and hates fart humor, which is what Terrence and Philip are all about. And he's a prosecutor and a TV critic somehow. Both. <laughs> he's, he's a, there's some meta commentary about TV criticism. And we actually have a, a clip of, of Scott uh, telling them why he hates them so much. Oh, hello, Scott. No hard feelings, right, old pal? There are hard feelings. This isn't over. I'm going to see to it that you both pay for what you've done. And do you know why? Because you're a dick? No, because I hate you. You think farting is so funny. Well, it isn't. Fart jokes are the lowest form of comedy. And if I... Uh, I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. <laughs> I like farts. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I may have one vote uh, kind of locked in. But... <laughs> so um, so what ends up happening is, and this, this sort of leads into the, the movie that will come later, is uh, Scott actually makes a deal with Saddam Hussein... To uh, to come to to come to Canada and sort of take over Canada in in a move to sort of drive Terrence and Philip out of the country. Um, what ends up happening is, is Saddam's got his face pasted all over the the country when Terrence and Philip returned from Iran with the daughter, and uh, it all culminates in a football game between the Rough Riders and the Rough Riders uh, of Canada, where, where uh, Saddam uh, is gassed by a mass fart cloud of all of the people of Canada. And a, then okay. a real thing, by the way, the Rough Riders versus the Rough Riders is a is thing that can happen. Not yes. anymore. Not but, anymore, but, but yeah. at the time. Uh, Ottawa and Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan Rough How dare you forget? <laughs> That's right. Sorry. Sorry, Where's Saskatchewan. Where's your rider pride? Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> Regina. divorced. That's what she said. So there, there's a lot of uh, Canadian humor that I, I probably don't get very Not well. Much. Not much. Well, the craft, um, the craft dinner runner. Well, sure. Yeah. And and so uh, it all culminates in a giant fart cloud at the end of the episode and O Canada, uh, which ends it on a high note. So, I, I mean, whether you think the episode itself is funny, uh, and, and if you like farts, you probably will think it's funny. Uh, it really was important in that it showed that Parker and Stone were more interested in being surprising and entertaining themselves and, and giving the show some real cred than they were in viewership, which has actually served them very well across 17 seasons. I think that sort of taking the reins and control of the show at that point in the show's history allowed them to stay on as long as they have. I think they would have gotten really tired and burned out if, if they hadn't been able to do things like that along the way. So it was the episode also that was the basis of a lot of the plot of the South Park movie 
uh, which had Blame Canada in it, which is easy to forget, was nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> Robin Williams sang it at the Oscars, yeah. so unfortunately I've never been able to forget that fact. Yeah, and then they <laughs> have a, a whole song, conversation though. of that with the, the bleeping of the F word. And yeah, it, uh, it led to a lot of things. It led to that. It, it kind of, um, it's it still, that episode still shares the DNA of the, of the show a lot because it really made Terrence and Philip very central to the show. Um, there's other good things in the episode, like Ugly Bob, who is oh, yeah. so <laughs> Ugly Bob's good. Yeah, <laughs> Ugly Bob Saddam Hussein is good in the episode, um, and hearing O Canada twice is nice. And uh, there's also this classic exchange that I remember was quoted a lot for a long time after this. Uh, I think our last clip. You've unleashed a monster onto Canada, and only you can get rid of him. Even though I hate you, and I wish you had cancer. You are such a dick, Scott. You're a dick. 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 The two of you are the most annoying dicks in Canada. You give other Canadians a bad name. And if I had... Uh, I'm sorry, Scott. Could you hold on a minute? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) How do you like that, Scott? You son of a bitch. I'll get you if it's the last... Oh, wait. I have another call, Scott. Can you hang on? Sure. (laughs) Oh, that was so smelly. He says hello. God damn it. Oh, wait a second, Scott. Sure. I mean, no. You listen to me. So, a lot of that... (laughs) episode um and what ended up happening after that episode they actually did resolve the cartman's uh father thing three weeks later in a follow-up Spoiler alert from 1998 <laughs> yeah <laughs> it turns out that his mother was a hermaphrodite so she was i believe it was she's also his father and his mother <laughs> but then they actually came back to that in season 14 saying that cartman's father was actually scott tenorman's father and he was a denver bronco so they actually did some retconning on that and sort of got rid of that whole thing but but they did resolve it and it was three weeks later and you know people in of 1998 calm down <laughs> stop freaking out but I, I think um like i said i think there's mo- a lot more uh, impact that this episode had in the long run with with the south park movie and also i think things like that things like uh tri- uh Parker and Stone having that kind of creative freedom to, to kind of mess with things and kind of go against the grain led to the Book of Mormon, honestly. I think that that really sort of got their artistic chops going and allowed them the freedom to do things like that. So I don't think we would ha- honestly have Book of Mormon if we didn't have episodes like this of South Park. So I would also argue that large-scale national audience fart humor is a lost art, a lost, a lost <laughs> fart, you might say. <laughs> And for that reason, for its <laughs> cultural impact, for tapping a rich vein of Canadian humor that would pay off for years to come, and for being dumb and just dumb enough to be memorable, I respectfully submit Terrence and Philip, not without my anus, to the extra hot great canon. Uh, okay, let's start with Sarah today. All right, um, the other American will go first. Uh, <laughs> I was not inclined to uh, vote for this. South Park, uh, like, it is physically difficult for me to listen to the voices. There's something <laughs> extremely grating about the voices. So whenever someone's like, oh, this hilarious episode, groundbreaking, da da da, I'm like, I'm totally sure that's true. I believe you. I wish I enjoyed watching the show, but it's like this David Lynch thing for me where it's like, I know this is important. Um, I don't think anyone is wrong for enjoying it. It is, like, unpleasant for me to deal with. With that said. <laughs> okay. Farts. <laughs> so many farts. So much delighted laughing at own farts. Mm-hmm. It, really did, uh, it really did a lot to win me over. Uh, I still felt like this episode, even though it was quite short, it felt like it was too long by one-third. And there were a few too many callbacks to things. And 
it, it did start to drag a little bit for me, but I think that Omar's argument about um, postponing that, uh, postponing the reveal mm-hmm. of the cliffhanger and sort of what Stone and Parker are trying to do and be um, as storytellers is a really good one. Um, I realize it sounds like faint praise to say that I disliked it less than I thought I would. <laughs> But given this particular show, that's actually not. Uh, I mean, that's actually a pretty um, pretty significant. So, Dave, what do you think? Uh, Omar, I have a question for you. Did you pick this because of the farting? Because of the Canada angle? Both? <laughs> Was this still sort of engineered to like hit, you know, check off some some boxes? Uh, no, it was mostly because of the prank element of it, mm-hmm. uh, and also that tomorrow is April first. So I thought, wow, that's sort of interesting that <laughs> that uh, that it's April Fool's Day almost, and yeah. and I, that's what I rem- that's one of the. And I'm not a big April Fool's prank person, but I thought that that one just sticks out in my mind as being a very significant yeah, moment. It's in really television. ballsy. I think I think the real story of this episode is that I mean, and what that represents the fact that they you know, wanted to do their own thing. It kind of reminds me of this thing that Monty Python never could do. They had this idea where over an episode, the volume would get lower and lower <laughs> until yeah. the very end of the episode where it would crank right back up to full volume. You know, so people would be like listening, kind of turning up their TV as the sound got gradually lower. And then I feel like that's something that these guys would want to do. And uh, this is sort of an example of one of those sort of like, Really? You're going to do that? It's going to piss people off kind of things that actually got through. Um, and, you know, obviously that's their bread and butter is, you know, doing things that shock people. And, you know, I kind of lost track of South Park after a while after they went into their how quickly can we churn out an episode based on last week's news kind of thing that lost me. I always thought the ones when they're in those years where they started those, the ones that um, were considered and obviously were written beforehand, I always thought were stronger. My favorite episode of all time is the Scott Tennerman episode. Scott Tennerman mm-hmm. must die um, with the end. I think that, did we, we haven't done that for the canon. This is our first South Park. This is the first South Park submission. <clears throat> but um, that is like, for me, the canon worthy uh, one where at the end, Cartman is feeding Scott Tennerman his own parents is chili. Um, <laughs> it was just such a what the fuck moment of, of television viewing that just is, amazing and i think you see bits of that but to sarah's point the the actual story of the episode is like it it could be 10 minutes and be the same story um i find terrence and philip not so funny uh the canadian stuff is cute but you know living in a world now with like the kroll show like this this uh take on canada is extremely basic and kind of like smacks of a wikipedia search or something like that you know so oh, they love craft dinner what's that oh it's what we call them you know macaroni and cheese and a few things like that i mean not that i think they were necessarily trying to build a uh very authentic universe in their canada but you know if you, if you want to judge it that way certainly there are better examples to go on um and uh, I never liked uh, Saddam Hussein in South Park. I, I, I never found him funny at all, except like the notion of him and Satan was funny, but the actual execution I never really thought was great. Um, so for me, this comes down to like, is this canon worthy because it just shows them uh, being themselves at such an early stage of the show? Uh, if the episode was good on top of that, I would say yes. But as it is right now, I think like it's hard to recommend this episode to watch as much as I would recommend 
reading a piece about what this represented. Uh, I agree with um, Sarah that I was not inclined to vote for it. I, and I agree with Dave that the story is not strong. Um, the, these are characters that a little goes a long way. It, it's like if the Simpsons did a full itchy and scratchy episode. Although these characters do, I just want to say, I love Scott. Scott is my favorite part <laughs> of this episode. Funny. Yeah. He's such a, like he's such a jerk and he's so you know jealous of everything. I just kind of, I just love it. Um, however, I do appreciate the point of like, that this early on, they would be like, you know what? We're just going to take the power that we have mm -hmm. and do an episode that our true fans <laughs> will appreciate for what it is, as opposed to like, you know, just giving them more of what they want. Eric Cartman by the Barrelville. Um, and so I like the, it, this is basically whenever I, whenever I read about producers, you know, responding to fan commentary of like, this came up recently because of the whole thing on the good wife of like, the King's trying to do retroactive damage control, mm -hmm. but also it goes back to like from the, the previous season, them dropping the storyline with Kalinda's ex-husband. Not that I was interested in it either, but making a whole point in all the press about it to be like, well, we responded to fan commentary. Like never say that. Even yeah, if it's never true. admit it. Totally. Never, never. So this is like, this isn't something that's going to necessarily like if anyone was actually pissed off about it, they were probably watching South Park wrong. And so I appreciate <laughs> the yeah. fact that it's like, this isn't necessarily what you wanted at this point, but it's what you need. <laughs> and we are the producers and we know better. So because that's what I always want TV producers to do. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's like, it's, you know, it's, this is something that's cheeky without being contemptuous of the audience. <laughs> cheeky. <Yeah. laughs> I didn't even mean that. So for that reason alone, I feel like I have to vote yes. All right, Sarah, your vote? Um, Omar's points about what this uh, episode means in a global sense, uh, you know, what we're doing here at the Canon is both acknowledging good TV and acknowledging important TV. Omar won me over from a regretful no to a yes. <laughs> um, also I, farts. <laughs> here, I'll get a little something for you. So. Right, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I totally agree that this is uh, a submission that hangs on the historical significance of this episode and, you know, their sort of take on their relationship with uh, their audience. I wish the episode was stronger so I can make this an easy choice, but I felt, uh, despite of all the farts, or maybe because of how many there were, I kind of got bored of them at the end. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to give this oh, a, no. a marginal no. But it doesn't matter because you got two votes. And that means... Shh. South Park, Season 2, Episode 1. Terrence and Philip in Not Without My Anus. You are hereby inducted into the extra Hot Great Canon. Hooray! Whoa! Lost the audio. Americans love a winner. Yeah. And will not tolerate a loser. Nope. It's time for winner and a loser of the week. Sarah has her winner. I sure do. Uh, it's Helix, the um, basically zombie Arctic, what I thought was a miniseries on sci-fi. It had its season finale uh, on Friday, uh, last Friday. And it actually started to be good. Like once oh. they finally got off the Arctic base, I mean, g relatively good okay. for Helix. Yeah. They finally get off the Arctic base and started setting up a bunch of stuff. And then uh, Jules is like with her um, 
uh, Holly Hunter from the piano, finger attachment, silver eyes, heading up a board meeting, and then the brothers Farragut are sort of lurking in Parisian alleys, and there's like dead drops of business cards, and I'm like, okay, bunt nip. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> it's too bad the shit is going to be canceled. Mm. It wasn't. They renewed it for a second season, hey. and I might actually watch it like for funsies. I mean, mostly to make fun of it. Right. Um, I'd also like to apologize to... Mr. Sonata, whose acting I have been making fun of for three months now. Apparently, he does not speak any English at all oh. and is learning his lines phonetically like Roxette. <laughs> In which case, he's actually doing a pretty good job. He's very charismatic. He used to be uh, Takeda on Revenge. Right. I presume they finally switched him out because they wanted an English-speaking Asian actor. I don't know. Anyway, go Helix. Go sci-fi. We'll see what happens. Don't fuck it up. Forgiveness, please. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> well, speaking other of, than you. Speaking uh, of. Yes. Loser of the week is satire because uh, the Colbert Report did a story last week where Colbert sat down with, I guess, the owner of the Washington Redskins to talk about the offensive name of the team and how this is continuing to be an issue for a lot of people. And that... In the course of this, he it, they it comes out that the team has like created a foundation to help Native Americans, and so in the segment, he makes ref Colbert makes reference to his own Asian character, <laughs> Ching Chong Ding Dong, which is obviously extremely offensive. That's the joke. Like it's a joke about racism. It's not a racist joke. Um, and so he there is a line in it about um, he's introducing the Ching Chong Ding Dong Foundation for sensitive sensitivity to Orientals or whatever. And so Comedy Central retweeted that line without context for, I guess, people that don't watch the show. And it turned into a whole fuck, fucking shitstorm from people that didn't get it, didn't watch the segment, didn't mm. understand what was actually happening, including Michelle Malkin, which basically, if you find yourself in any argument on the same side as Michelle Malkin, you can be pretty sure... You're on the wrong side of the argument, so, you know. Although I will say, one time she posted um, <laughs> a picture of a shirt I used to have in Glarkware mm-hmm. back in the Bush era that just said, America is scary. Mm-hmm. And um, It was a guy wearing it at a rally. Of at some a sort. rally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some some suspicious-looking guy yes. who might have been from Probably the Middle East. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, she tweeted, and then, like, the next day, the sales are like, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. Yes. So anyway, that started a it started a hashtag on Twitter for cancel Colbert, which I don't think has gotten any traction because anyone sensible knows what is in Stephen Colbert's heart and um, doesn't get if they if they don't they don't get humor. Well, yeah. I mean, I think whoever retweeted that should have probably you know thought of. Sure. I mean, things out of context are dangerous. Things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But also like. If you know anything about Stephen Colbert, you can probably be pretty sure what was not happening with that line. Yep. Do you know what time it is? Game time. It's game time. All right, this is the fifth regulation game time of the season to remind everybody where our standings are. Valued guests, of which today we have Omar, have two points on the board. Mm-hmm. Tara, last week, got her first point of the season, yes. and Sarah has one point. So it's two to one to one. Right. I'm already winning? Yes. Yes. You are Woo. winning. <laughs> Good job, Omar. Today we are playing oh. the definite article. And this one comes from Rob Hartman, again. Oh. 
Who earns himself an extra credit? An extra credit. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Uh, Which is redeemable for an extra hot great mini topic of his choosing. Extra hot great minis are our uh, Monday, no, yes, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday uh, short show on a single topic. Um, So he gets to force us to talk about something of his choosing. All right. So today we are playing The Definite Article. You know, so many shows have titles in the form of The Noun. Mm -hmm. So we're going to explore that today. Okay. Players will get a clue to the particular noun in the show's title. Right. Example, as a promo, the boss, the employees, the paper. The show is the... News? No, not the newsroom. Office. Oh, the paper, of course. Yes. Oh. Right. Uh, these titles are all the and a single word. Okay. Okay? So uh, no clues or anything like that. I'll just, I mean, no extra hints yeah um i will uh read you um the promo the tagline and then you have to tell me what the uh show is that's it that's all there is to this one okay we got 36 questions and Ooh. let's see who's gonna go first wait i have a question yes uh are any of the titles hyphenated mm, no okay they're all normal words okay all right here we go let's find out who goes first we send it to our person in control choosing initiative 3000 otherwise known as picky We will start with Tara. All right, oh. so we're going to go Tara. Who? And, and then we're going to go, let's say, uh, to Omar and then to Sarah. Okay. Are we ready to play the definite article? Yes. Oh, yes. All yes. right, Tara. <laughs> yes. The body, the border, the Asperger's. The bridge. <laughs> Omar. <laughs> the cult, the leader, the bacon. The following. Nice. Sarah. Yep. The Conspiracy, The Aliens, The Underwood. The Underwood? Mm. Oh, God. The Event? Oh, yes. Wow. I was like, the typewriter? (laughs) The Drizzle, The Detectives, The Non-Resolution. The Killing. (laughs) Omar, The Singing, The Chairs, The Spinning. The Singing, The Chairs, The Spinning. Oh, um, the voice. Nice. Sarah. Yep. The cops, the corruption, the badge. The shield. Tara. Mm-hmm. The comedy, the sketches, the troop. The one word. I don't know. I don't know. The state. Oh, the state. Omar. Mm-hmm. The journalists, the lecturing. The Sorkin. <laughs> the newsroom. <laughs> Ooh. The drugs. The cops. The Baltimore. The wire. The black ops. The mammoth. The Haysbert. Bert. Bert? Bert. Oh. Bert. Fuck, what was that show called? Also, it was on forever. <laughs> also, yeah, it was. Also, uh, the Speedman? Or is no, the other guy? No, no, Scott Foley. The Foley. Oh, fuck, I can't remember what it was called. Uh, think of a Sprockets video. Check out the unit on that I'll guy. Be- <laughs> <laughs> All right, Omar. The lawyers, the Boston, the McDermott. The practice? Correct. Sarah? Yep. The lawyers, the mob, the Grisham. 
the the <laughs> the client. Mm, oh, the firm. The firm. Oh, oh, oh was right. There was a there, there was a the client show too. Was there? Yep. Was it called the client? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was about something else completely. So, was it about? But yeah, this is the mob. Did okay. the client have the mob? I don't know. Maybe not. Do you know, Sarah? I do not know. Mm, all right. We'll revisit that if we need to at the end of the game. Tara. Yes. The football. Yep. The players. The girlfriend. Z. The girlfriend Z. Plural. There's more than one girlfriend involved, is what I'm saying. The, the fo- game. The game. Correct. Omar. The women. The over-talking. The whoopee. The woman, oh, um, the over-talking, the whoopee. The view. <laughs> Correct. All right, bringing us into our first score break, Sarah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the business, the investment, the Marcus. Oh, <laughs> the profit. <laughs> okay, I have three, Sarah has four, Omar has five. Yeah, Omar Ooh, is batting 1,000, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's get back into it for Tara. Yep. The challenges, the penthouse, the rock. The hero. Correct. Gosh. Number 17. <laughs> Spread eagle. For Omar. <laughs> the makeover, the surgery, the ducklings. The swan. <laughs> wow. <laughs> nice pull. Wow. Uh, Sarah, the yep. cooking, the contestants, the Nigella. The taste? Number 19, mm-hmm. the agencies, the advertising, the client. The pitch. Correct. Oh, the pitch. <laughs> you brilliant Piat. trash of a <laughs> show. All right. Omar. Uh, where are we? Uh, the news, the Brits, the 50s. The hour. Correct. Sarah. The uh-huh. kids, the monsters, the investigating. The kids, the monsters, the investigating. Yep. The. I will add, I've never heard of this. <laughs> the kids, the monsters. Ugh, I'm going to be so mad when I hear what it is. Oh, you uh, might know it because you have uh, you have neighbors with kids. Oh, hint. No, I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's it's. Oh yeah, it's a kids show. I guess I. Uh... The case. From Nickelodeon, the troop. The troop. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I don't know that one. Okay. All right, so back to Tara. Mm-hmm. The models, the competition, the Campbell. The face. To Omar. The dead, the awaken, the Franch. <laughs> the return. The comedy, the kids, the Heaton for Sarah. The Heaton? Heaton. The middle? Yeah. Nice. Back to Tara. Mm-hmm. The murders, the Irish, the Scully. The fall. For Omar. The clips. The snark. The McHale. <laughs> the talk. Oh. Not, oh, talk soup? No. The soup. The oh, soup. the soup. Damn the soup. it. Yeah. Damn it. Okay. A rare misstep from Omar. <laughs> We're, we thought we thought this could have been the game where you got everything right. Um, Tar. Still in the lead, Omar. The Actually, food. Sarah. Oh, Sarah. that's right. I'm yeah, sorry. Sarah. Uh, the food. The chat. The batali. That's the talk. That's the chew. That's the chew. Oh, the chew. All right. So now to Tara. Yes. The football, the fantasy, the taco. Uh, 
Uh, the League. Correct, the League. Omar, the uh, initials, the county, the Marissa. The OC. Correct, bringing us into our second score break. Question number 30. The missing, the reappeared, the number. Ah. The missing, the reappeared, the number? Correct. Uh, the 4400? Correct. I was thinking the 100. Me too, but I was like, did they go missing? No. Okay, Sarah has seven. I have eight. Omar has nine. (laughs) All right, so this is is winnable by anybody at this point. You all have two questions left. Right. Okay. Um, Tara. Yep. The beach, the intern, the Spencer. The hills. Correct. All right. Omar. The animation, the blue, the bug. The animation, the blue, the bug. The... The... Oh, you're gonna hit, you're gonna you're gonna kick yourself if you don't get this. Oh, the tick, the tick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sarah. Yes. The hostages, the robbery, the flashbacks. Ah, uh, yes. Oh no. <laughs> the Billy Campbell thing. Hold on, give me a second. The duh. The flashback. The nine. Nice. Yes. I was gonna say. I think it was on your team. All right. Last question for Tara. Yes. The contestants. The Informer, the Anderson. The Mole. Correct. For Omar, the Feds, the Red, the Hats. The Americans. Mm. No. What? The Feds, the Red. The Blacklist. Oh, the Hats. The the Blacklist. All right. And uh, lastly, to Sarah, the Contestants, the Quiz, the Beast. The chase. <laughs> Correct. Fuck, that was close. Let's get this score at Sarah the end of our game. Sarah has nine. Yeah. Omar and I are tied with ten each. Oh, <laughs> my. So that means it's time for a tiebreaker. Ah! All right. So this is how it has to work. Um, Dave I, is rubbing his hands together. <laughs> you can wow. literally is. You can answer at any time. Okay. But once you answer, yep. then you're out until the other person answers, right? Okay. okay yes. Yep. You understand? Yes. I will read the clues very slowly. Okay. You may answer at any time. Okay. Everybody clear? Yes. First person to shout out the correct answer. Yep. Gets the point and the game. Yep. Here we go. Okay. The pilot. The unsold. The Dwight. The farm. The farm. Oh, Tara oh. beats Omar by a, a oh. millisecond. By a millisecond. Moe's beard hair. All right. And for shits and giggles, we had one that was labeled too obscure, but I didn't agree. It could have been in the game, but we didn't need it. Okay. So let's play it for shits and giggles. The cop. For a Dave point. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) The cop, the superhero, the canceled. (laughs) I'll add another one. The cloak. The cape. The cape. Yeah. Uh Tara. Congratulations, Tara. So close. That was great. That is it. (laughs) That was a really fun game. Another episode of Extra Hot Great. We used our juicy chess club brains 
to discuss the fourth season of The Walking Dead before going around the dial with stops at The Midwife, Lindsay, How I Met Your Mother, and Jim Henson's Creature Shop Challenge. Omar successfully pitched South Park's Terrence and Philip in Not Without My Anus. For the canon, we crowned winners and losers of the week, and Tara was the winner of a squeaker of a game time. Remember... (laughs) We're listening. (laughs) I am David T. Cole on behalf of Tara Ariano. Dead and loving it. Sarah D. Bunting. There's a tiny dog in my anus. (laughs) And Omar Kayaga. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time right here on Extra Hot Break. (laughs) 